All right. Stop uh, yeah. So, hi, hi guys. How how are we doing? It's not like we haven't been just been speaking for the past five minutes. <laughs> how are we doing? How are you doing? How's how's lockdown treating you? Lockdown's all right, mate. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> just been keeping. Do you know what? I because it being lockdown, I decided to take on more things. Mm. So now I'm busier mm. than what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> than before the whole pandemic kicked. So yeah, so I'm, I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm not bad. Um, it's I'm not. It's it's been because I'm kind of I hate to say it, but I'm kind of used to the whole lockdown thing now. And because I'm allowed to actually go to work, uh, it's not been as bad as the last as the as the last one was. But how about you, Daniel? How's your one going? How's How's your yeah, I, th- I think mine flips a little bit because throughout mm. lockdown one, I was furloughed and it was weird because I didn't have any structure to anything. Mm. Lockdown two, I was basically just working from the office and it didn't feel like a lockdown to me. No. This one, we very abruptly got kind of like sent home because we were non-essential personnel and the lads were all just doing one-to-one training. Mm. So I've not been in Trent Bridge for like six weeks. So it's got quite oh, yeah. monotonous working at home and whatnot. So. Mm. Uh, yeah, I forgot that this is your third one, and this is our second one because you guys are up in these up in these Midlands at the moment. So this is yeah, oh shit, this is really yeah. Or is it just not a continuation of the second one? No, because they let us out yeah. a little little bit in December. <laughs> they? they let you out. Let, let us out. <laughs> let, us, let us go spread it across December so it could just peak in January. Hmm. Uh, so you, you could do what I did, where up here you were allowed out because uh, Nottingham was tier three, but I decided to go and spend it with my family who uh, live in a tier four area. Oh. So I literally went home and didn't leave the house. Oh, so amazing. my Christmas was, I thought, why not do a proper lockdown Christmas? You can only do it once. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> we hope, anyway, we are. So um, <laughs> let's, let's get into it, lads. Um, so what made you to want to start the. Pull at the um, the pull at the bar podcast. Oh, actually, no, fuck it. How, no, forget that. How did you two first meet? That's what I really want to know. What? How did the how well, did the partnership start? <laughs> right. Well, well do I we, think my... do we do we both get our say on this? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like I want I, I want to be like Jerry Springer in this situation. Like, that's what I want to be. I think it's needed to be honest. I think Dan, it's probably best if I go first, isn't it? So. Uh, <laughs> This is like couples. This is like couples counselling. Yeah, how much do you charge for a weekly session? Oh, this one's for free, lads. Don't worry, I'm not that good. <laughs> weekly, we need more than weekly. Um, so we met by. So basically, we went to all three of us on here went to Nottingham Trent uh, University. And shout out! We, shout out to NTU. Big up. We were looking for one more person in our house um, on the. Th- third year we were living there so we had we had a house of six and two people went on placement years and we found one person and we were just about to get a sixth person to sign and then so I I just remember sitting in the front room or something and uh just hear a knock on the door Uh it's a bit weird see Dan's out there hello Dan and I kind of only knew Dan I didn't really know Dan and he was like I'm moving in I was like, you sure? Yeah, Craig said it was wrong. (laughs) He's not told anyone, but you're not moving. And ended up moving in. And uh, basically, I felt like a stepdad. (laughs) I felt like I had to make sure he was all right. 
make him feel a bit loved. Uh, <laughs> he also let, I mean, this was a bloke that let a seagull into our house. Um, <laughs> so why, why on earth I said yes to how him? Did you get, how, did you, how did you let a seagull in? The, how did a seagull get in? That's what I want to know. How did you, where did you find a seagull in Nottingham, first of all? It was a pigeon. <laughs> the bird changes every time goats retells. I heard um, it was an emu, if I'm honest. <laughs> and I feel like we've recounted this story so much over the past year of uh, lockdowns that I think we came to the realisation that it was probably neither of us that let the <laughs> bird in the house, but we were the ones that witnessed it in our house. So we threw the blame at each other and <laughs> we did bury the hatchet for a while. But yeah, it's Until a fun story. I felt I felt like um, I was uh, in an abusive household that I needed to get out of and wondered what I did because about two weeks in, um, someone else in there was uh, basically brandishing a knife at Tom, just right. as a joke. <laughs> right, I think it's safe to say it was it was all play fighting and it wasn't actually dangerous. Okay, that's good to know. So, yeah, what, but it was just, I was a bit like, what is happening here? Not what you not what you want in when you first moved into a new place, is it? No, but I also, I think there's a, I'm going to tell a different story of how I moved in. And I feel like there's probably um, a mix match of both what we say and there's some truth in both of it. But I genuinely can't remember knocking at the door and saying I'm moving in. What I can remember is kind of like swooping in, getting the room. I wasn't meant to be getting the room. I was meant to be living with um, two girls that I'd been living with in the second year. And we just couldn't find a place that we all liked. And then we both said, right, you two live together. I'll just go find somewhere. And then within a week, I'd signed on the dotted line there and I wanted to stay with Kekskill. Um, and yeah, I can't remember knocking on the door and saying to someone that I'd met like three times, I'm going to live in that room upstairs. You just got to deal with it. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like someone had stolen half of my living space. <laughs> Question though, what room, what, like, what room was it in the house? Second floor room room six was it? Is room six the one? Is it was it near a bathroom or was it not near a bathroom? Uh, right next to the bathroom. I think you went Wait. up onto the second floor. You, yeah. You had you had Vicky's room there, and then mm -hmm. you went down the corridor and you had two doors. On the left was me, and on the right was Ash. Excellent. You so, so well. um, Daniel. Yeah. That was my room before you moved. That was my room like a year and a bit before you moved in. <laughs> no way. Without sounding <laughs> without sounding crude. Yeah, without, uh, oh no. Oh yeah. I hope you flip the mattress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, I okay, mean yeah. now, yeah, that's just a fun little bit of just a fun little bit of trivia. Always oh, thought we had a good bond. Yeah. <laughs> By bond, do you mean just rolling your eyes at me every time I come up in the store? <laughs> there it goes again. If only, I'll tell you what, if that house had ears and a mouth, it would talk, mate. Like some of the stuff. Oh, I mean, my. I was pretty clean, and that says a lot about what's happening on there. Tom, you. You did quite a few summers with them working there and obviously in between times. Did I know a painting was a big job and other stuff like that. Did you go in with hazmats and deep clean everything <laughs> as well? No, but you we've we found did you do it, mate? Did you? I didn't do no because I was busy working at summer camps and stuff. Um oh, summer, so. So we would find some weird stuff, man. And I bet if there, and anyone listens who either decorated or lived 
you'll know, I mean, we found numerous kind of sex toys, underwear, used uh, contraceptions. Wow. It was without sounding horribly good. I mean, I mean, also, be, as a student, as a student accommodation, we shouldn't, it shouldn't really be too surprised about that shit. But no, no. you don't want but to be. I remember going around partly cleaning it, and every time I find a little copper, I just put it in the pocket. For oh, that's a tip for cleaning the room. I saved up enough to buy an extra large pizza from Spice Up, so I was Ooh. buzzing. I know, nice. extra large pizza. <laughs> just went in there with a cup full of coins. It was like, hey, mate. <laughs> it was like yeah, that. <laughs> All right. So, how long did you two live together? Was it just for the first? Was it for just that one year? Was it for the just yeah, just that year, just that year. We'd, we'd got, uh, I'd only lived two doors down um, the year before, so we'd had parties and whatnot that we oh, knew. Okay. Uh, I think, I think was ours fourteen, um, and then I lived, and then I lived in nine or eight or something. It was like wow. a door down because you went into the where the flats were, mm. but we were like the next door down, so we'd always just be part like parties and whatnot there. But yeah, I only lived. I lived in. Kexkill for two years. You were there, were you there all three, or did you just move there second year as well? Too? I moved. Oh, you talk, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you lived there as well, in all yeah. three, or just just one year. I lived there for three years. Well, so, you lived there for about two decades, man. Two decades. <laughs> you never left. <laughs> I'm still there now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Point um, to you live from Kexkill, right out core. Um. I lived there for three years, so I lived there from second year and third year of the um, of bachelor's, and then for master's year as well. Um, but then in master's year, I moved up into the top flat, one of the top flats, and that was quite nice. And um, I feel so, a little bit left out here. I'm the only one without master's training or just doing a <laughs> master's. I feel like I need to go back and just do a master's <laughs> and to be in your esteemed company. <laughs> And live in Kexkill for another year. Yes, live in Kexkill for another year. Yes, good. Um, I love how we're giving them free advertising. But to be fair, <laughs> they've been good to us. They've been good to us. Um, so what made you guys want to start the Pull Up The Bar podcast? I think the weirdest, the weirdest thing was is that I feel like we were Snapchatting each other. And we never Snapchat. We've never, like, we never just Snapchat each other, really. And then all of a sudden, we were chatting on Snapchat. And it was like... Oh, should we, we've got like the idea just steamrolled from somewhere. I just was like, we're, we're just so funny. We are. I think we'd like sent a joke to each other, a joke snap or whatever. And we're like, we're so funny. We are. We should do a podcast. And then two weeks later, we launched a podcast. <laughs> it was just like, well, I yeah. I think what actually happened is I think we agreed I was funny and, uh, <laughs> and then was quite good at editing. So yeah. <laughs> I was, he was funny and I could tolerate him. So we were the perfect duo. <laughs> So you went from dick pics on Snapchat to actually <laughs> converse, actual conversations. That's I could see your face then when I was talking about Snapchat. I'm just like, that's where it started. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> and to be fair, if those who know me, you don't get you, you do get pictures. You get toilet tom pictures sometimes. So Dan definitely got one or two of them. Oh god! <laughs> like Dan just looked up into the corner, like yeah, those were very, very dark. Days. <laughs> he looked up, looked up to his wall because that's where he's got them all printed out on an eight <laughs> piece of paper. It's just got like a shrine to Tom. <laughs> in the shape of a penis. In the shape of a penis. 
factors about yeah. the event. Yeah, this is why we started because I fantasize about Tom. That's why we started a podcast. I wanted to spend more time with him a week. Why wouldn't you? I'm a six foot four fat bald man. Why would you not? Well, did we not? Did we not see his candid photos the other day? He's had a few days off. He went and took candid photos down by the lake. I did not see those on Instagram. Are they on Facebook? Or are we talking? Oh, we talking. Uh, mate, they are on absolutely everything. <laughs> <laughs> I put them because it's such a good photo. I was like, I'm whacking this on Bumble, mm. on Hinge, on Tinder, on Facebook, mm. on the Gram, everything at Tom ninety nine four Ryan. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so what what so what were the concept of the podcast then? I think we just realized that when we had conversations, we we because we'd be on Zoom calls with people and we'd just chat between each other and people would listen. Mm. But we weren't necessarily talking to other people. We were just talking to each other and people just seemed engaged in it. Mm. And we kind of thought from that, oh maybe other people want to listen to our kind of ramblings about stuff as well and the majority of it was just kind of reminiscing around university especially the first series mm. it was just going through what we'd done um mainly me telling a story and <laughs> chief correcting it finding <laughs> 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 out the finer details but uh, i think it came from that and it came from uh, the the desire to kind of talk to each other more i know that sounds really soft but it was that it was a platform we could have a conversation and be honest about stuff as well because mm. um, that's the great thing about podcasts is because they're things people can drop in and drop out of you can be completely honest about stuff and actually you're on record but you're not on record mm. in the same way because you're just a conversation but we, we would touch on mental health and apart as uni and mental health and other things like that so it was just a good way to have a conversation if i'm honest mate yeah that's, and it's really good to, and it's a really good listen though, to be fair even though it is on hiatus at the moment it is a really it is a really good listen so i definitely say that people do need to go check it out um so you said about mental health like that obviously that is it's it's always been it's always been a hot it's always been big but like especially right now it's a really, it's a real hot topic. What have you guys been doing to ensure that your mental health has been kept in check? Uh, um, exercise is quite a big one for me. I do quite a lot of exercise, but yeah. also that 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 podcast and just doing that, like we reconnected with so many people across lockdown. You've got to kind of take the positives, and it was kind of a case of I don't think it really mattered how mm. many viewers or what was happening um, for us. It mm. was us two just talking to each other for an hour or like, and then we'd message throughout the week and whatnot. And we were always kind of like just catching up in there for each other. And we kind of like, we'd, we'd meet up and we'd do little bits, but they'd be bigger, like birthday celebrations or something like that. Whereas like, this has kind of been a sustained period of like every week we see each other's filthy mugs and laugh a little bit and um, have a good time, which is one of the best things you can do for your mental health really. Mm, that's right. Yeah. I think it's, it, it is interesting that it's easy. It was easier to get closer to people in lockdown than it was ever. I mean, there's still people that I wish I, I, I contacted earlier and whatever, mm. but it's been easier to reconnect and maintain conversation over lockdown. Mm. Uh, maybe because I'm bored and Dan's the only person who <laughs> will respond to me. <laughs> but there, there is that element of it as well, I think. And uh, I mean, without having a shameless plug um 
I was part of, I'm a founding trustee of a new mental health foundation as well, which has started up in Nottingham. And all we can do at the minute is walk. So it's primarily a hiking foundation, which we raise money for, for people who are suffering from mental health. Mm. Um, complications is kind of the term I try and use because complications can always be eased. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's, there's, it's, it is a crap time, but mm. it's definitely stuff you can put in place to, to kind of overcome that yeah mate i completely i completely agree i didn't know that the i knew that you were part of the foundation i didn't know that you were among the main trustees that's that's brilliant yeah so for um so we kind of it all started because do you know what blue monday is blue monday that's monday blues is that yeah so the monday blues but blue monday's supposedly the the it's not the most it's not the saddest most saddest day of the year but it's along them lines but basically it's so far past christmas that all that mm. excitement of christmas is gone but it's still crap weather mm. it's the longest payday gap normally um for people because christmas oh, is early oh yes yeah oh, so, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah amazon prime have most of that wage packet um <laughs> so well, at work, Mike, um, the the kind of founder, overall founder of it, just did a, a hike, and it started as like I think it was going to be six people, and I think it like steamrolled to sixty people or whatever within a within a week. Um, so it's called the Hike with Mike Foundation, um, and then it's just it's just gone from leaps and bounds. I mean, we've not even got a registered charity number just yet, but we've got kind of tons of money rolling in, so it's absolutely mint. Mm. Okay, that's. That's good. And so, Dan, how's the stuff at the rugby club coming up? The rugby club. On the Trent Bridge. Sorry, not rugby club. The Trent Bridge. Oh, Trent Bridge. Sorry. Confused yeah, sorry. me. Very <laughs> confused. Very confused. Yeah, that's my fault. Sorry. Just a project <laughs> I've done and not talking about. I've spoke about. I can't remember what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> then posh people play one or two of the sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> how work okay before obviously before the how has your work have you been able to transfer your work to being able to do it during lockdown that's what i wanted that's what i was gonna have to get a little bit more creative because mine's very content generation based Mm. and we still need to get that content off the players and work quite closely with my colleague we Mm. both kind of do the content elements and he does a lot of the interviewing and whatnot we're just coming up with different content strands that are a bit repeatable we've um, not had anything from inside the camp Mm. for six weeks or so when I last filmed something there Mm. but one of the analysts was there today and and I was like a kid on Christmas when it came through (laughs) this afternoon I was like yes actual live footage to deal with because it's all been like uh, rewinds of when we last when we played well in 2010 and stuff like that and there's only so much of that you can do it was almost like i was getting a little bit of um fatigue from it almost it was like not cricket 1984 <laughs> 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 trying to go through all the history and all the bits and it was just like we we can't really keep hitting the fact that we won the 2020 competition last year because we did that a lot at the back end of last year we did that in lockdown too <laughs> but yeah it's, it's just about yeah just trying to keep things as simple as possible like i've lost colleagues along the way um due to the cuts and everything but it's just hopefully we're gonna do all better out of it because we're a summer sport obviously mm. all the winter sports that are going on now are likely going to end the season without any fans there 
yeah, there's hope, hope for summer sports. Mm. Um, the Ryder Cup later on this year, Tokyo Olympics, et cetera, et cetera, all these places that hopefully there will be fans back in stands. Mm. So how did you get into like, the video editing, your video editing game? Uh, completely self-taught, weirdly. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> it shows. <laughs> it shows. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I, I, start, I did print journalism at university, so mm. I d- did that. And then um, third year, we were kind of like half working with Knotts TV to sell their website as part of the first year of that. Is that, is not, how is it, is not TV still going on or is, yeah, is it, yeah, okay. it's still going on, still okay. going on as a local TV show. So they do quite well. They, they link with us and do some bits. Okay. But yeah, then I went to uh, like, uh, in the last year we were doing something for, um, like the internal TV station or something like that. I can't remember what it was called. Maybe platform, I think at the time or whatnot. And we went and filmed a bowling alley for some strange reason he never saw the light of day and i don't know why we did it but i just went along and helped it was like basically like a runner mm. and um and then was there when we were editing it and i had some ideas and it seemed like i had quite a good eye for telling a story in the visual platform effectively so then i kind of worked at throughout a couple of six consecutive summers throughout uni mm. and then got full time I've been full-time there since the start of 2015, April 2015. Mm. Um, and then just kind of picked up, one of the guys had left who did a bit of video stuff. And I just kind of picked up and kept learning different ways. I went from using iMovie to Premiere Pro and different bits and just kind of like, I could see things. There's this great um, video of short film by, I can't remember what her name is, but it's called The Gap which um, a lot of creatives have where it's like, I've got this idea of what I want to do in my head. My technical skills aren't there. So I can do little bits each time and just keep taking a chunk. But that's how I kind of keep going with my video editing. That's good. Huh? Um, Tom, like, for some, like, so if someone wanted to start a charity or a foundation, what advice would you give them just to start off with? Oh, that's an odd one. <clears throat> Firstly, I would, if I'm completely honest, I'd look to see what there else is out there already because you don't want realistically in the charity world, you don't want competition. Um, you want different strands. Like, for example, there's loads of mental health charities out there at the minute, but there's no one quite doing it based in around hiking. Um, so I think if, if there was, we might have kind of revisited it, but don't quote me on that. I mean, we've been very lucky that not in sort of businesses, but if there isn't something out there, uh, I'd go for it, but I'd make sure you've got a team behind you as well. Um, that there's a lot of work to it. Uh, I'm lucky I've kind of done a lot of the socials, uh, like video editing, editing, not as good as Dan. Um, some of the videos and kind of some produce some of the content online, uh, by taking candid vote photos. But I mean, just be prepared to promote it like you're promoting a new company. Because at the end of the day, it's all word of mouth. Um, it's a real, it, it can feel slow, but suddenly one day you'll wake up and there's suddenly a thousand followers on Instagram. Mm. You've got so, you've got X amount of people messaging, asking <clears throat> how to donate, um, how to get some of the merchandise, all that type of stuff. So it, it's, it's not something you can do on a whim, mm. but it's definitely worth doing if your heart's there. Um, mm. There's always stuff people are interested in and put them like passionate about, but it 
you kind of do need to have a different level of passion. And I'm not saying don't go and start a charity because I guess that's probably what it sounds like I'm saying. But if you want the charity to succeed and kind of fulfill the dream you want it to do, to fulfill, you need to, you need to be able to throw probably 50% of the US for into that on top of your job and stuff like that. So it's worth doing, uh, but be prepared because it was like having a job. <laughs> well, yeah, it should, as it should be because you're basically, well, you're trying to earn money and trying to get people to give that, give that foundation money. So yeah, it definitely should be and a lot of job. Yeah, ultimately, at the end of the day, whether whatever the cause is, whether that's for kind of mental illness, kind of um, physical illness, animals, environment, at the end of the day, you set up a charity and someone's going to end up relying on you, be that to provide cash and financial help or to provide um, kind of research for, for kind of like cancer research, for example. People are going to start relying on you, relying on you, and you kind of, it's not a guilty, I've got a weight on my shoulder, shoulders, flipping out shoulders, but you do kind of, you, you do start to feel a responsibility from society to go, hang on, these people have stood out, we're supporting them. Mm. So actually, we need to, uh, we need to put the effort in and, and make sure that it, 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 the people that are relying on us actually can count on us mm. to come through. Yeah, that's, that's all true. And um, same question to you, Dan, but for video editing and, uh, and taking it to just beyond doing it for personal reasons. How, what advice do you give to someone who's looking to do that? Just start. Just like <laughs> some of the biggest people, <laughs> some of like, that's what most people don't do. They have these ideas and they just don't start because they don't think it's going to be good enough. Mm. You can post a lot of rubbish stuff before you find something that's rubbish but strikes with the audience that you're trying to create and it's like you don't need the best camera gear you don't need the best anything to just go out there and tell a story if that's what you're trying to tell if that's the sort of video stuff you're doing and nowadays we've got so many things i'm i say i'm self-taught that's because i've just watched when i when i have an idea in my head and i want to see how it's done i watch a youtube videos how to do it in premiere pro or after effects and stuff like that and it's Mm. just there at the touch of my fingertips there's almost too much because it's like four different people tell you how to do it three different ways but there's always a way to do it mm. so just just start just get everyone's everyone can tell a story everyone can be funny once mm. in a while but what's yeah been, so just get just get there what's been the most difficult thing that you've had to edit if you if you can say it uh, mine and Tom's podcast. <laughs> if I'm honest, mate, probably the time you came on our podcast. <laughs> um, other th- other than that, probably anything when I taught myself how to do um, filming on blue and green screens. Um, we're filming on a green screen, and we had a green T20 kit which didn't work. So we had to hire in a blue sheet instead and call it a blue screen. But yeah, that's kind of hard trying to find out how to, because there's so many different elements of that. Mm. And one year we filmed it and I edited, someone else filmed it and I edited it all. And we were there for the first day of the match uh, on the Friday or whatever. And Thursday night at like 10 o'clock, I just set my computer to go through all the we used it as like player celebration gifts that you see on loads of different sporting platforms i hit hit go on the encoder and woke up half six the next morning it was doing the final one 
So like tr- learning that whole process of just taking out the background and putting what you want there. We mm. filmed it with a different um, exposure rate or something like that. The, the flick, there was a flicker, uh, almost like a TV flicker on them. So I had to work out how to get rid of that. Luckily there was a 150 pound bit of software that we bought as a club that I could just put on everything, <laughs> but it absolutely caned my machine uh, all night. It was wearing away, but yeah, that's probably the hardest thing. And then, oh. Your two podcasts. Uh, oh, Jesus! <laughs> why were why were why were, the, why were those two so hard to edit? Just out of interest. I'm just going to put it out there that we probably started out as a family friendly one, and I censored <laughs> myself in doing that. Yeah, you Tom didn't. Did. Tom, Tom, <laughs> Tom didn't either. So I had a couple every week. He'd just drop in and say, "You know, I think he'd actually say on the recording, there's probably some, but he's like." Oh, it's all right. Chief will edit that out. It's fine. <laughs> Just so I don't air. And then I'm sat there when we're, we're all on there. It wasn't too bad at all, but I'm like, I'm going to have to edit that out. I'm going to have to edit that out. Oh, no, I'm going to have to edit that out. How do I get this chunk in without this? <laughs> it's like you, you know that kind of those who are who are like Acast or like BBC podcasts, the producer's literally there pressing F5 every time there's a swear word, just so there's a marker. Can't yeah. do that on Zoom. Cannot <laughs> do that on Zoom. guys you made it through part one so why don't you click up and go to part two for the rest of this conversation see you there